waiting. 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 Waiting is a reality of life that none of us can escape. We wait in lines to check out at Costco. We wait in queues for the washrooms at Flames and Stamps game and at the Calgary Stampede. We wait for our orders at Tim's or Starbucks, some days more, more, than, more than not. We wait to see the doctor or to conduct a transaction at the bank. And we wait nine long months for bundles of joy like Camilla to make their entrance into the world and brighten the faces of their parents like Jamshid and Shahista in this picture. We wait for web pages to load. We wait in traffic jams on Deerfoot, Glenmore, Crowchild, and McLeod Trail. In Alberta, we know what it means to wait for spring especially after a brutally frigid February like we experienced last winter. But waiting is not only a part of the physical world. Waiting is also a part of the spiritual world. We must often wait for God to answer our prayers. We must wait upon God to open or close doors of opportunity. Waiting is woven into the very fabric of God's grand story of the universe and is reflected in the church calendar year beginning with Advent, a time of waiting that will commence in just two weeks. Advent marks the beginning of God's story. As we wait during Advent, we remember that God created the world and it was good we remember that humankind chose to rebel against God, and we remember that our rebellion separates us from our Maker. As we wait upon God during Advent, we remember the preparations He made to remedy our separation from Him. We remember that God's people waited for centuries with anticipation for the promised Messiah. As the first Christmas approached, Mary and Joseph waited for the birth of their son, Jesus. They waited for God to take on human flesh. They waited for the one named Emmanuel, God with us. During Lent and on Good Friday, we wait as we solemnly remember Christ's passion. We remember why Jesus came. We remember that by his sacrifice on the cross, our, our separation from God is ended. We also recall the th three days waiting endured by Jesus' body in, in the tomb. At Easter, the, at Easter, the women prepared to wait as they remembered someone would be needed to remove the stone from the tomb entrance. At Easter, we remember Christ rose from the grave. As we wait and worship at the empty tomb, we remember that death has been defeated. We remember that hope has replaced fear. We remember that waiting gave way to eternal life. Though you may be unfamiliar with ascension, which occurs 40 days after Easter, 
It's the time in the church calendar year that, year that many Christians remember the disciples waiting and gazing into the sky as Jesus bodily ascended to heaven. As we, we vigorously join Jesus' first followers in their waiting and gazing, we remember that he is at the right hand of God. We remember that, that Jesus continually prays for us. On, on Pentecost Sunday, we remember the disciples waited for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. As they waited, they were reminded that Jesus had not left them alone. As we wait upon God, we remember that, that his Spirit lives within us and empowers us to be, be his witnesses. But God's story isn't complete until Christ the King Day, celebrated by many Christians this time of year in mid to late November. On that day, we remember that we wait for Christ's bodily return to earth. We remember that we await his return as the one who will judge and the dead. Remember that we wait the consummation of his kingdom in its fullness. We remember that we await living forever in eternal joy with him. Our scripture today is one that speaks of this final chapter in God's story. It's a passage that reveals what happened when, when the waiting is over. It's a story that reveals part of the climactic event that will occur when our marching orders have been fulfilled. It's a story in which you and, and I are characters. It's from Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. It's called the parable of the sheep and the goats. I'm going to ask uh, Abe and Chad to come on, come on up with her on the stage because in just a moment, they're going to help us as tether we read God's word aloud. I'm going to ask that you would, would read the parts designated as people along with, with our leader, Chad. I'm, I will, will be reading the parts marked narrator and Abe is going to, going to read parts marked King Jesus. Would you stand together right now? As we prepare to read God's word together aloud, I get to start out. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will see those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by Father, take your inheritance. The king kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave, gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and, and you clothed me. I was, I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then, then the rights will answer him. Lord, when, when did see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did, did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to, go to visit you? The king will reply... Truly, I tell you, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart, you who were cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I do. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, what's the first thing this parable communicates to, to us? It tells us that Jesus' return is certain. If you, are a, a, you have German notes and you're, you're, you have a blank there, that, that's, that's your first blank. Jesus' return, return certain. It tells, tells our waiting will one day be, be over. What's the first word in this passage? Remember, it's the, it's the word when. It says, when the Son of Man comes in, in his glory. Notice that it doesn't say if the Son of Man returns. It doesn't say, say may the Son of Man will return. It says when Jesus is, is coming back. Waiting will not last forever. A second thing this parable communicates is what will happen when Jesus returns to earth. He will judge all people of the world. He will judge you and he will judge me as well as, as every other son who has ever lived. Christ is, is coming in, but he won't return the second time as a, as a baby. He's coming back the next time as, as a return judge. Rulers dispense justice. Rulers award those who do right, and they punish those who do wrong. Christ is coming back as a ruler who will judge the world. A third reality this parable communicates is the criterion for judgment. The criterion for judgment set forth in this passage is love for Jesus. And has that love evidence? It's evidenced by how we love others, how we meet the needs of the hungry, the sick, the lonely, the marginalized, the, the immigrant, the forgotten, the oppressed, the broken, the needy. Now, now, I'm going to venture a guess that at least a few of you, of you right now might be a bit con confused about criterion for final judgment. Jesus cites in this parable. Some of you are probably saying, Kent, I thought all I had to do to get to, get to heaven and escape hell was to, to believe in Jesus. What's going on? Well, here's the pivotal question we must wrestle with, with as we seek to understand the parable. Are loving acts of kindness the criterion upon which you and I will be judged for all eternity? Let me say that again. 
The question is, are our loving acts of kindness the criterion upon which you and I will be judged for all eternity? I want to pose what may initially seem to be a confusing answer. The, the correct answer is both yes and no. Stay with me now. Here in a ring, ring I'm just wondering if one of the others of the mics left on. I don't know if there are any, any other mics that are on, Andrew. If there are, you might try turning those off, see, see if we can clean that up a bit. So stay with me. With me. We said the answer is yes and no. A yes answer would seem to be here from this passage. We need to be very careful about saying, well, Jesus just didn't really mean what he was saying here. At the same time, sound biblical interpretation requires that we interpret in verse or passage in light of what the whole Bible says about the topic. Well, what does the Bible say in places regarding the rule of good works and being made right with God? The Bible says that we are made right with God by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works. So no one can boast. Romans, 8, Romans 28 says, A man, a person, is justified by faith apart from works, works of the law. In other words, the law can never, doing right things, can never, keeping the law, law can never be right with God. There are other verses in the, in the Bible that us clearly can't, can't be made right with God by do, doing deeds. The, the Bible teaches that you and I could never do enough good deeds to gain an entrance to the kingdom of, kingdom of God to escape an eternity of separation from, from him. But, but the same Bible also says that belief itself is not enough. In James, we read that the demons believe in God, but we know that they will not be participants in the kingdom. The same Bible says that faith, faith without works is dead. It's useless. It's not real faith. This Bible says that if we don't love people, we don't really love God. And in the same Bible, Jesus says that those who love him keep his commandments. Well, how do we reconcile this apparent tension between faith and good works? To do so, it will be helpful to remember another principle of biblical interpretation. To correctly understand the verse or passage of Scripture, we need to notice what, become, what comes before and, and after it. In this case, what comes before the parable is very important. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus ta- talks us about second coming. In these chapters, Jesus uses several stories to tell his disciples that, that they need to be ready and how they need to be prepared for his return. In, in the story of the faithful and wicked servants, the ten virgins, the, the three stewards with their, with their talents, and the sheep and the goats, he, he tells us being pre- prepared include, includes watchfulness, faithfulness, and loving acts of, of kindness. Putting all these various biblical clues together, what do we confidently say about the criterion for fi- final judgment? We can say that in light of all the biblical evidence, this, this parable teaches that get ready for final judgment requires mercy in Jesus Christ. 
faith that is evidenced by loving acts of, of kindness toward others. You can only be granted entrance into the kingdom by believing that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, that, that he rose from the dead to give you life, and by confessing him as your Lord and Master. But genuine faith in, in Christ will be evidenced by loving acts of kindness. In other words, if, if your faith is not impacting your actions, if your, your faith is translating loving acts of kindness, your faith is not genuine, and it will not, not protect you in the final judgment. Loving involves doing what Jesus did. did. Jesus, Jesus announced, and he demonstrated kingdom. He, he proclaimed news of the kingdom of God. He called all people to repent, to turn their rebellion toward God, and to follow him. Through his death, his death and resurrection, Jesus decided for people's, for our spiritual needs. But Jesus also demonstrated the kingdom. He did, he did this meeting people's physical, emotional, and mental needs. By doing this, he gave them a picture of what life will be like in the kingdom when it comes in its, in its, in its fullest state. Uh, he gave them, gave them a picture of God's kingdom where, where God's shalom, his, his wholeness is experienced by all. Jesus invited people, people to enter into God's grand story of redemption and renewal. Well, in this parable we read earlier, Jesus told the sheep that met the needs of others, they were actually loving him. I can tell you today, without a doubt, that Jesus lives in this city. Jesus lives in Calgary. And Jesus lives in this neighborhood. He hangs out where you work. He can be found at your school. He lives next door and down on the street. He lives in each of the residences that surround your home and that, that surround this building. Do you see him? Are, are you looking for, for him? Are, are you love, loving him? fourth thing this parable communicates is that it's, it's imperative to prepare for judgment. When we think of judgment in our, in our culture, we oftentimes think of a, of a trial. The judge renders a verdict and the defendant is guilty. guilty the judge delivers a sentence. At the trial, it's too too to undo what's been done or to do what's been neglected. There are no do-overs or mulligans allowed when we, when we stand for a human judge. Brothers and sisters, there will be, be no do-overs. There will, there will be no against when, when we stand before heavenly judge, judge King Jesus. As we mentioned earlier, there, this parable falls in a long, long speech by Jesus about the end times of the earth. He's telling his disciples, he's telling you and me, and me that we need to be ready. The time is short. The waiting won't last forever. Four stories. Faithful and willing, wicked servants, the ten virgins, and the three words with, with their talents, sheep and the goats, they tell us something. They, they tell us that we, we need to be ready. They tell us that we need to make every single day, day count. They, they tell us that we don't have much time left. 
that, that Jesus returned. That it's crunch time. It's okay. You can giggle. Laugh. Jesus is telling us, he's telling us disciples, he's telling you and me that, that it's crunch time. The phrase crunch time communicates an important event or deadline is quickly approaching. The event or deadline is so important, other priorities must take a back seat. All, all effort and attention is focused on the preparation for the upcoming event or, or project deadline. Jesus is saying, it's crunch time. time. Now is not the time for ap apathy complacency. It's time for action. As we wait for Christ's return, we are commanded not to passively, but actively to announce and, and to demonstrate his, his kingdom to those around, around us. I want to ask you a question. If, if Jesus convened his, his kingdom today... And you, you stood in front of his, his bench, and a recording was played of your life. What, what would the S reveal about your love for him? Would it reveal that you have regularly loved, loved Jesus by people? Or, or would it reveal a, a lack of action, a lack of love such as is described in, in song? By Keith Green. Please listen. Listen. I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to many of us here this morning about not regularly, actively, intentionally loving Jesus through loving people. I'm going to invite you along with me just in the silence right now to confess to the Father the sin of lovelessness. And if, that's, if that fits you, then I encourage you to join me in just silently confessing that sin to God. Father, we thank you for your promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I thank you that you've heard our prayers. And we thank you for what Jesus did for us on the cross and that through his death for us, that we can know forgiveness and we can know cleansing. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you chose to confess the sin of lovelessness, of not loving others, 
like Jesus loves them to our Heavenly Father in these past few moments. I, I want you to know that the sin is forgiven. You were cleansed and the sin is gone. But God wants more than confession, as important as it is. God requires repentance. He requires change. What does that change look like? Well, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that change for you looks like this. It, it means starting to follow Jesus. It means making Jesus the boss of your life. It means letting him call the shots. It means you showing others that you've chosen to follow him by being baptized and by being serious about growing in your faith. Jesus said that at the final judgment, he will confess before his father those who have confessed him before others. Have you publicly confessed faith in Christ as your Lord? Are you ready for judgment? You've never made a decision to start following Jesus. You can do that this morning. Or if you made a decision to follow Christ in the past, but you've fallen away from that commitment, you can start following him again. After the service, some of our prayer team members will be here at the front who can discuss and pray with you how to take either of these steps. I urge you to do that today. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, what can you do to repent, to change? Well, here are three helps. Number one, remember. You say, remember what? Remember it's crunch time. And sometimes we need a little, little help remembering. You know, we use an alarm to help us remember, remember when we get up in the morning, or at least I do. We use a, use a list to remember what we need to, need to purchase at market or what we need to pack for a trip. Well, we leave today... The ushers are going to hand you something. They're going to hand you a crunch bar. bar. Yeah, they're going to hand you a crunch bar. And, and uh, after you get our, uh, first of all, eat it, enjoy it. <laughs> you, you can eat it here. You can, you can eat it in the, in the lobby. You can eat it on your way home. You can eat it at home. But, but I don't want you to throw away the wrapper. I want you to, first of all, eat it. And then do listen for, for the sound the crunch. And let me remind you that it's crunch time. Jesus is coming soon. There's not a lot of time. If you're on a diet or you're allergic to chocolate, then get the chocolate to someone else. But like I said, hang on to the wrapper. And what, what I want you to do with the wrapper, for, I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Your fridge, your, uh, your bathroom mirror. Uh, uh, you figure out, figure out somewhere you're not going to miss this every day. Leave wrapper there, there, and I'm going to encourage you to leave it there a long time. Leave it there until Easter. Leave, let it go, go through Chris and through, through, through all the time up until Easter. And every time you see it, let it be a reminder that Jesus calls you to love him by loving people. Second thing we can do is pray. And you say, well, pray what? Well, well, at least things. Number one, pray for a deeper revelation and a deeper experience of, God, of God's love you. Paul prayed for that for the Ephesians. They were already believers. And he said, I pray that you know what is the height and the depth and the length and breadth. And to know the love of God, though it is beyond comprehension. More deeply, we experience God's love for us. Not just know about it in our heads, but we experience our hearts. The more deeply motivated we will be to love others. Secondly, we can also pray for eyes 
to see Jesus. God will answer your prayer. We can train ourselves to see Jesus, believe it or not. The more we love Jesus by loving others, the more we will see him and we will see the needs around us. Third thing we can do, we can remember, we can pray, and we can act. We can start loving on someone this week. We can meet a need and invite a uh, we're associate or, or remember to have coffee with, with us or join our, our family for a meal. Invite a non-non friend or uh, a recent immigrant family that met to, to go skating or come over for a games night. Get to know them. As you do, you will start spotting needs. We need to love on people inside the church and we need to love on people outside the church. People will get a foretaste of God's kingdom through you. This is going to cost you something. This is the warning. Might cost some money. For sure it's going to cost you some time. But you also experience some experience great joy. Why? Because you will you will start seeing God at, at work around you and through you in new and fresh fresh ways. God will also begin again open doors for you, you to announce kingdom to share your your faithfully. When people feel loved they become spiritually kissed, and many will become interested in your spiritual story. You say, Kent, where do I start? You ask, ask God to show you. You ask him to show you whom he wants you to act, actively love and serve. Facts, you know, as soon as we ask God that question, oftentimes he'll begin to bring people to our mind. I ask you, to, I encourage you to ask God that question this week. Well, here's well, here, a final challenge to you. Um, you've been very patient. Our, our service is very full today. But I think it's also been very good. I know that God has spoken, spoken to me. I prepared the message, and, and as I've delivered it today, I, I trust that he, he has you as well. Go this week and be do- doers' word. Love and serve at least one person in his name. May, may the Lord bless you, empower you to lo- love Jesus this, this week by loving people. Don't forget, it's crying. Would you pray with, pray with me? Our worship team comes up to the stage.